Now, before we get into this week's episode of Now About That with James and Sarah, I want to discuss our very first ad, Link. Unlike the traditional business card you have to throw out as you change companies, titles, and even states, Link is the new digital card that allows you to update your information as you progress through your career. With Link, you can share more than just your phone number and email address. You can include information like links to your social media, website, and even a podcast. There are tons of really great options on their website where you can choose from a traditional business card, plastic, wood, or metal, and much more. Personally, I decided to go with the key ring option that has an NFC chip and a QR code where anyone with a smartphone can scan and download my information. With Link, I am able to share my email address, phone number, and links to this amazing podcast along with our website. Follow the link included in the description of this episode and be sure to use the promo code NOWABOUTTHAT at checkout for 15% off whatever you purchase. Not only will you get a great deal, but you will also be helping grow Now About That with James and Sarah, the podcast where two friends talk about whatever. Now, on to this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Now About That with James and Sarah. I'm James. And I'm Sarah. And happy Women's History Month, everybody. Woo! I didn't even actually get a give Sarah a chance to prep for this uh, conversation. So the first part of it is really just going to be us meeting or meeting (laughs) us chatting and uh, catching up and seeing how things are going. And then I thought because it's the first uh, recording session of Women's History Month, we could talk about what uh, feminism is. Ooh, all right. I thought that would be a, a fun fun conversation to have and we can we can explore it a little bit and I can I, the reason I didn't tell you and I wanted to bring it in without you knowing is to get your honest like reaction of what your idea of feminism is feminism is yeah yeah and then I I just pulled up some so I have a couple of things we can look at so uh, there's the International Women's Development Agency has a definition of what feminism feminism is and that's really hard to say um, and then the uh Britannica has the definition of what feminism is. And I'm not going to look at this one because it's the Eastern Kentucky University. Let's not look at that one. But then I also looked or pulled up some um, information on some feminist art authors, feminist authors, which we can talk about. And I don't know much about them, but we can, I'm sure you do because you're a big reader and I'm sure you've probably read most books from at least maybe all of these authors. I don't know. See. But before we get into it, how's it going, Sarah? How are you? (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, as as you know, and and our listeners um, are about to know, I have endometrial cancer, and I'm kind of having a rough day dealing with it. Um, and I'm and just, just just to clarify, everyone, I don't make her do these recordings. I ask her if she's okay with it, and then we record. <laughs> I feel like I hope, hopefully, the conversations that we have and this podcast gives you kind of a a release and some a break from all the hullabaloo around yeah. hullabaloo around the cancer stuff the big c but i'm just just kind of having a day and i don't know it's been a week honestly i'm just doing okay for a little bit and then ugh so but other than that i'm great everything's great 
How are you? Good. Busy. Um, work and stuff is going and school. This is my last week in my uh, current class. So I have a bunch. I have two, two um, assignments that are due. Both are relatively simple. And then I also have discussion board stuff that I have to do. Other than that, nothing crazy. Um, I spent most of the day today, well not most of the day, um, a good portion of the day today helping people uh, remove items from their training. Um, we met, our team met today and talked about planning some training for a future session. And I worked on a presentation for computer basic skills, which is exciting. So I'm working on putting that presentation together and we're going to offer a class on computer basics because there's a lot of people in the facility that have a hard time using computers, even at like the basic level, like logging in and using the mouse and understanding what left click versus right click means. And right. so, so that's always fun. I like, that's one of the parts of my job that I really like to do is put together presentations like that. Nice. So we get to, I get to do that for fun. Um, other than that, not much. Not much. <laughs> He's doing his duck lips. And then we, and then we have the inevitable conversation about lip fillers. I think I would look weird with lips that big. I mean, I think so as well, but I'm it's not, not even, it's, it's not even duck lips though. It's just, I push out my lips. I don't do the. <laughs> That's... No one can see this, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> no one can see this, but <laughs> I can, and that's what matters. Um, okay, so feminism, aka Sarah's favorite topic. Yeah, yeah, I, I love feminism. I am a diehard feminist. Um, intersectional feminism or bust, like. I, yeah, that was going to be another question. So with um, so do you still you still identify as? Let's refresh, refresh our memory. Refresh our memory. All right. Um, I identify as genderqueer. Okay. Um, I was assigned female at birth and I do enjoy aspects of femininity, um, but I am not what one would call a woman. <laughs> okay. So then how, I guess, what is your take on how um, someone that doesn't want, like doesn't identify as a woman and or a female i guess i should say a woman slash female um what what is your how do you feel about someone and their uh I get, how do i say it and their responsibility or their um interaction maybe maybe not interaction what they do for feminism rights or feminist rights like mm -hmm. uh activism feminist feminist feminism activism okay hard to say <laughs> So, um, I believe that anyone can be a feminist, regardless of gender. Um, I think that there are, are, that there are particular voices that should be heard first in conversations yeah. about AFABs, stuff that specifically affects AFABs, um, but yeah, like, um, you know, like pregnancy and the ability to, you know, give birth, for example, and whether or not one can have access to an abortion. I feel like that conversation should be led by people who are assigned female at birth because they're the ones who are able to give birth. Okay, yeah. 
But I was going to say people who, yeah, people who are assigned female at birth. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I was going to say, or people that are able to have a, ch- a child, but yeah, that would mainly yeah. be people that are assigned female at birth anyways. Yeah. Um. Then what, so then what do you think, or how do you feel about the, uh, transgender female um role speaking about feminism i don't i don't think i understand the question so so um whenever you're like you just were talking about how um you think certain people's voices should be heard before the others do you think that the transgender oh do i think trans women are allowed to speak on yeah or have or have the equal like an equal voice well they should have an equal voice in parts of it that affect them in absolutely every section that's going to affect them yeah um and they should also have you know in that in that aspect their voices should be higher um like because they're the ones who are going through those things like i'm not going to tell a trans woman how she experiences sexism or you know homophobia or whatever because that's not my experience yeah but you know but she should absolutely have a voice and be able to talk about it first okay and then what are your feelings on the male side i love men so much (laughs) i really do but they're stupid but they're so (laughs) stupid I just, uh, just here, here's, here's, here's my thought. Okay. First of all, first of all, I believe that men also suffer under the patriarchy. Men are continuously told to, um, you know, man up and not show emotions. And it really negatively impacts them. And it's primarily other men pushing this narrative of, you know, well, you can't show any emotions or you're gay. You can't have too many male friends or you know, or you're gay. Like, you know, and we will we'll ignore the, the fact that they use gay as a pejorative here. But like, the thing is, is that even though men also suffer under the patriarchy, they're the only ones who can take it apart. And uh, so many of them just help reinforce it. <laughs> No. I do believe that men can be feminists. Um, I think that the type of men who become feminists are ones who are able to recognize the benefits that they have under patriarchal standards and also recognize, you know, that there are ways that they're able to combat that in their personal lives. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, do you, I was going to, what, what would you say is your your personal definition of feminism so my personal definition of feminism is the continuous fight for not equality but equity yeah um and there's there's a there's a big difference between equality and equity there's a really big difference between the two yeah Uh, there was and i'll i'll find a picture of it and include it in the website whenever i upload the information for this i know what there's it's like it, yeah, it shows a picture of like a kid and it may not be the same one, but it might be. So it's like people standing trying to watch a baseball game or something. And everybody, when they talk about equality, they give everybody the same thing. So they give everybody a, like a, a soapbox to stand on. Um, but when we talk about equity, it's giving everybody an amount that makes them to an equal height or an equal, giving everyone the access to see 
like see the the baseball game or to be involved in in the process so if it means one person gets one soapbox one person gets two soapboxes that's what equity is versus equality exactly and equity is what feminism current feminism intersectional feminism um because there are several different waves of feminism um that that's the primary focus is equity we we don't want to be better than or equal to men you know we want or white people or you know whomever the oppressor is in this particular instance um we we want equity we want to have access and that access has to be accessible to everyone, not just, you know, a select yeah. So I will um, really quickly go through my the definition um, on Britannica. So on Britannica, feminism is classified as sociology. And it says feminism is the belief in social, economic, and political equality of the sexes. Although largely originating in the West, feminism is manifested worldwide and is represented by various institutions committed to activity on behalf of women's rights and interests. Throughout the most of the Western history, uh, women are confined to the domestic sphere while public life was reserved for men. In medieval Europe, women were denied the right to own property, to study, or to participate in public life. At the end of the 19th century in France, uh, they were still compelled to cover their heads in public, and in parts of Germany, a husband still had the right to sell his wife. Even in even as late as the early 20th century, women could neither vote nor hold elective office in Europe and in most of the United States, where several territories and states granted women suffrage long before the federal government did so. Uh, women were prevented from conducting business without a male representative, uh, be, it, be it a father, brother, husband, legal agent, or even son. And married women could not exercise control over their own children without the permission of their husbands. Moreover, women had little or no access to education and were barred from most professions. In some parts of the world, such as restric- such restrictions on women continue today. So I think that's the part that most people possibly don't understand about feminism is it's not about, oh, this happened in the past. It's about, okay, it's still happening and bringing light to the fact that this these types of things are still happening Yeah, and changing that. Right. As an example, there are still places... There are still doctor's offices that require people with uteruses to get permission from their male partner yeah. to get a hysterectomy or to get their tubes tied. You know, that and that's a thing that happens here in the United States. Right. That's so. it's and I think we've we've talked about it before on here. It's very difficult for a person a certain age to have a hysterectomy or to have their tubes tied mm-hmm. and without like having to be forceful with a doctor or sometimes it's not even possible even yeah. no matter what doctor you go to um because they're they don't have children currently or they're under a certain age where it's not unless it's medically required there's no way they can get one. Right. I thought the door moved. <laughs> I thought Bobo was coming in. It didn't move and Bobo's not coming in. <laughs> <laughs> I, that reminds me of something that I have to tell you. Okay. It's completely off topic, but I have to tell you. Okay. okay. So, so the, let's see, last week, I think it was Tuesday, um, Nick and I were coming back from date night. We went, we went and did karaoke. And as we're coming back, we're like we come up to this intersection and there's out of nowhere this guy 
dressed all in white. Okay. And we're like, and he just, his, I, I can't describe his face, but his face, oh my God. Anyway, it was scary. He scared us. We turn around, he gone. <laughs> He's gone. And we're like, okay, all right. That was, that was really weird. So then, so then the other night, um, Saturday night, Nick and I are coming back from getting food, I think. And, or no, it was when he came to pick me up. So anyway, so we're coming back after he's picked me up and there's this woman, again, dressed all in white and she's standing by like this little bridge for like the water to pass through under the road. And she's yelling at something and she's very like emphatically yelling and she's doing something. And I turn back around as we pass her, she gone. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. La Llorona. <laughs> All right. This is this is this is scary. This is spooky. We're not doing this. So then you're all like, I thought the door moved. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no more people in white. I can't handle this. <laughs> anyway, all right. We can Well, we can with that back. being said, hello everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Regularly scheduled programming. Um, yeah. um so I think I'm just scrolling through this and I just want to like look at some of the, the people that are highlighted as women that are were fighting for um, uh, equal rights. So there's Sojourner Truth mm-hmm. is listed on here. Um, and then there's also Susan B. Anthony right. and Emma Goldman. I don't, I haven't heard of Emma Goldman. So it says radical feminists challenge the single-minded focus on suffrage as in the non for women. non for women? For women's liberation. Uh, Emma Goldman, the nation's leading anarchist, mocked the, na- the notion the ballot the ballot could secure equality for women since it hardly accomplished that the majority of uh accomplish that for the majority of American men. Women would gain their freedom, she said, by, only by refusing the right to anyone over her body, by refusing to be a servant to God, the state, society, the husband, the family, etc., by making her life simpler, but deeper and richer. Huh, all right. And it says she was Russia born, Russian born, uh, but she died in Canada. And she okay. is the founder of Mother Earth. I don't know what that is. Is a uh, Mother Earth is an American magazine. Thing. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. So it says Emma Goldman, uh, born June 27th, 1869, Cavano, also known as Knaus, Lithuania, Russian Empire died May 14th, 1940. International anarchist who conducted leftist activities in the United States from about 1890 to 1917. She grew up in Lithuania um, and East Prussia, now known as uh, Kaliningrad, Russia, and in St. Petersburg. Hmm. She settled in Rochester, New York, and then New Haven, Connecticut. And she's worked on clothing in clothing factories and came into contact with socialist and anarchist groups among her fellow workers. Moving to New York City in 1889, Goldman forced a close action or formed a close close association with Alexander Berkman, who was imprisoned in 1892 for attempting to assassinate Henry Clay Frick. Frick? Henry Clay Frick during the Homestead Steel Strike. Okay. Interesting. Love it. Um, and then it goes on to talk about Alice Paul. Okay. I don't know that idea. Let's see who Alice Paul is. Oh, it's okay. just a picture. That doesn't help. I recognize the name, but couldn't tell you that much about her. Also doesn't say anything. Oh, wait, there it is. Alice Paul was an American suffragist um, who first proposed an equal rights amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Mm. Interesting. 
Um, aside from that, there's also, uh, it talks about the 19th Amendment, uh, which was, what, Sarah? The 19th Amendment gave um, women the right to vote. Yes. So uh, the 19th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States um, ex- extended the right to vote to women. Except that some women still weren't able to vote, which we've talked about yeah. when we talked about voting. Well, it's kind of like the same thing with the 15th Amendment. There was that, was, that disbanded, or it was supposed to stop um, slavery, put an end to slavery, but then it didn't because it continued in some states mm-hmm. even well into like several years afterwards. So, And then it talks about a second wave of feminism uh, that started in the 1960s and 1970s and represented a seemingly abrupt break with the tranquil suburb- suburban life pictured in American popular culture. Yep. And then I think, I think we're currently in third wave feminism, um, but... Yeah. So yeah, the third wave of feminism emerged in the mid-1990s. It was led by so-called Generation Xers, who born in the 1960s and 1970s in the developed world, came of age in a media saturated with culturally and economically diverse milieu. Milieu? That's a weird word. The physical or social setting in which something occurs or develops environment. Milieu. Milieu? M-I-L-I-E-U. Oh, milieu. Weird word. I've never heard this word. It was made possible by the greater economic and professional power and status achieved by women of the second wave. The massive expansion in opportunities for the dissemination of ideas created by the information revolution of the late 20th century and the coming of age of Gen Xers, Gen X scholars and activists. That's like the... Uh, generation before us. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's actually a fourth wave. It says, although debated by some, many claim that a fourth wave of feminism began about 2012, with a focus on sexual harassment, body shaming, and rape culture, among other issues. Mm-hmm. So it's potential that there's a second or a fourth wave. There we go. <laughs> well, I mean, at this point, again, it should just all be intersectional feminism. <laughs> Thank you, Kimberly Crenshaw. So do you want to move on to the discussion about some feminist authors? Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm sure you'll just take off with this one, which is fine. Um, So the first one on the list is Virginia Woolf. Um, I've read excerpts of her work. I'm very familiar with who she is. And she was an English writer considered one of the most important modernists of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about Virginia Woolf? Um, I like the um, snippets of her work that I've read. Um, she was definitely an inspirational author, somebody that I admire about it. The only thing I know, and it's not even, it doesn't even have to do with the author of Virginia Woolf. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Good movie. (laughs) Crazy movie. movie. It has nothing to do with the author, Virginia Woolf, though. Uh, And then the other person on, another person on the list is Mary Wollstonecraft. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, The mother of um, Mary uh, Shelley. So she was, yeah, that's, that's Mary Shelley's mom. Um, I don't know who Mary Shelley is. She wrote Frankenstein. I didn't know that. The first science fiction novel. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Mary Wollstonecraft um, was writing treatises and different pamphlets about women's rights 
way back. And her husband was also extremely supportive of this. That's nice. He also wrote stuff about it. Um, And it says she's best known for a vindication of the rights of women in uh, 1792, in which she argues that women are not naturally inferior to men. Mm -hmm. And then the next one on the list is Kate Chopin. Chopin? Um, Chopin. Um, Yes. I've read some of her work and had to write a paper on it. Um, she, so the work that I read, oh my goodness, what is the name of this? Stop. <laughs> um, anyway, it's about, it's about a woman who, upon finding out that her husband is dead, she realizes how much more freedom she's going to have now because he's gone and it's not because he was terrible to her quote unquote but she just wanted to be her own person she didn't really want to be married um and she felt tied down because of the marriage and being forced into that position and so she starts going over all these possibilities of like the amazing wonderful things that she's gonna be able to do now because she's not limited by this man and being married and then her husband turns out was not dead and comes home and then she dies (laughs) wow it's crazy but like it's (laughs) it's pretty poignant if you think about it because like she's so excited about all these things that you know she thought she was going to get to do and then it turns out he's not dead and and then she dies because all of her all of her joy all of her freedom is suddenly gone again yikes um and then the next one on the list is audra lord yes audrey lord audra i don't i actually i don't know I don't know if I've always pronounced it Audra, but it might be Audrey. Um, and in this, uh, the Poetry Foundation says or identifies her as a self-described Black lesbian mother, warrior, poet. Yep, that's nice. Her poetry is amazing. She's amazing. And she dedicated uh, both her life and her creative talent to confronting and addressing injustices of racism, sexism, classism, and homophobia. Oh, it's inspiring. What what of her poetry have you read um i've read excerpts from black unicorn that's all you're giving me <laughs> that's all i'm giving you Jeez. that's it i can't think of that and then another one is uh sylvia plath Ah, uh, yes but but here's my issue with sylvia plath she was a huge fucking racist <laughs> like absolutely fucking awful Oh, this is terrible. What? Like literally the second thing under the Wikipedia article, like the people who people also ask for Sylvia Plath. Can you us can you guess what it is? How did she kill herself? No. What was Sylvia Plath addicted to? Uh yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> um, but there's also so there's just a list like a, a running list of other authors um and one of them is jane austen which most people should know who jane austen is uh and then ryan one of ryan's favorite authors tony morrison yes i love tony morrison which i i haven't read any of her books because i'm not a big reader but i have watched a few of the movies that are based on the novel that she's written so um we have watched Beloved, which was a beautiful movie. Um, and I'm sure the novel is great as well. And then I can't remember if the color is the color purple Tony Morrison. It's not, is it? No, the color purple. It's it's funny that you mentioned because um, I was actually getting ready to bring her up um, is by Alice Walker. OK, and she's mm-hmm. on this list, too. Yeah. Describes herself as 
a womanist. Oh. Yes. What's the difference between womanist and feminist? So womanism is specifically the uplifting and um, equality struggle for Black women. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Uh, but then the other thing I pulled up that I wanted to talk a little bit about because I enjoy films is 13 inspiring films uh, or 13 inspiring female film directors you need to know about. Um, and let me actually, I'll give you this and we can bounce back and forth reading through them if you want Sounds to. Good. That way it's not just you sitting there and listening to me talk, even though. So the first one while Sarah is picking or pulling that up um, is Chantel Ackerman, a well-known figure in the filmmaking community whose 45 directed works span from eight, uh, 1968 until her death in 2015. She was Belgian-born and known for making avant-garde and feminist films. Ackerman created several uh, documentaries that were very personal and shine a light on her own relationship with her mother in a very interesting and engaging way. And that was from uh, Coleman, who is... The person who created the list. And I'm trying to find the name. Ilana Coleman, School of Filmmaking faculty member and film director. Where do you see that? At the top. It's the first paragraph under the bold. Oh, I was looking for A. It's I. I-L-A-N-A. Yeah, Ilana. I, I thought you said Alana, not Ilana. Very big difference. All right. <laughs> so that is uh, Chantel Ackerman. And then next we have... Lila. Oh, sorry. I, I just noticed that she has some uh, movies listed here. So there's okay. News from Home in 1977 and her last film, No Movie Home, or No Home Movie in 2015. Okay, now you can go. <laughs> um, so Lila Aviles, um, an up-and-coming filmmaker from Mexico, received widespread acclaim for her first feature film, La Camarista, The Chambermaid, um, in 2018, which was chosen chosen as the Mexican submission for the Academy Award for Best International Feature Film that year. Um, Coleman calls it a very smart first feature and is looking forward to Avedis' second film, Totem, which is currently in post-production. Hmm. And the next one on the list is Claire Dennis, a French filmmaker um, whose work has been described as influential to the European cinematic identity. And throughout her over 30-year career, uh, she's had over a 30-year career, and one of her most notable works is White Material in 2009, which Coleman lists as a favorite. Uh, the film deals with topics surrounding class, erasure, and relationships. And then Coleman also considers Dennis's 35 Shots of Rum 2008 film that centers on a relationship between a father and a daughter to a uh, to be personally influential. So she she considers that film personally influential. And then next we have Mati Dial, um, a French Senegalese filmmaker who started as an actress. She starred in Dennis's 35 Shots of Rum um, before exploring directing, writing, and cinematography. Um, Coleman points to experimental documentary short Mille Soleil um, A Thousand Sons 2013, a film that follows Senegalese film star Magaya Niangas um, in his current life as a farmer, as a good example of Diop's work. Um, she also includes the more recent fictional film um, Atlantique Atlantics, uh, 2019, for which Diop became the first black female director to be a contender for the Palme d'Or, the Cannes Film Festival's highest prize. That's cool. And then the next person on the list is Sarah Gavron. Uh, 
Coleman calls British director Sarah Gavron's most recent film Rocks from 2019 a story of a young teenager, young teenage girl uh, caring for her young her younger brother while experiencing homelessness. A very simple but very profound um, and says she was blown away by the film. Gavron also directed the 2015 film Suffragette, which stars Carrie Mulligan, Helena Bonham Carter, and Meryl Streep, and is based on real events from the women's suffrage movement in England. And next up we have Kirsten Johnson, an American documentary filmmaker um, who started as a cinematographer. Um, In 2016, Johnson created the autobiographical documentary film Camera Person, using footage gathered over her years as a cinematographer from around the world. Coleman describes the film as a beautiful project about the people surrounding a film and the stories that didn't make a final cut of a documentary, but are still important. She also lists Johnson's recent film, Dick Johnson is Dead, 2020, as a moving work that preemptively deals with the death of her father who suffers from dementia. Wow, what a title. Right. Kind of tells you what it is. Um, And then I will link this article um, on the website as well. And it has, there's each of these um, directors, there is a trailer for one of their movies on the actual article itself. And the one that's listed here is the one about her father's life, um, Dick Johnson is dead. And then the next one on the list is Jessica Kingdon, uh, who is a Chinese American director whose works have already been uh, made a big impact in the industry, even though she's just in the beginning of her career. Coleman particularly likes Kingdon's 2017 short documentary, Commodity City, a film that follows the lives of Chinese wholesalers in Yewu, International Trade City, and regularly shows it to students in her directing class. Uh, Kingdon's most recent documentary, Ascension, in 2021, which explores the pursuit of the Chinese dream, was nominated for a 2022 Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. I think I saw something about that film. I don't, I don't think I have, actually. Actually, but I would I would be interested. All right, you're getting all the hard names this time. <laughs> <laughs> Although this one's not that bad. Uh, Luna Maran. Um, Coleman adds Mexican filmmaker Luna Maran to the list as a director who is pushing for more films to be made in areas of Mexico that historically have not been shown, particularly her native region of Oaxaca. She is a director that is encouraging other types of narratives, turning away from the classic Hollywood storytelling and more toward the vision of an individual. Says Moran's feature film, Tio Yim, aka Uncle Yim, 2019, incorporates footage of her father, a radical Zapotec singer, songwriter, and community leader, as his daughter encourages him to write a new song about his life. Hmm. And then the next one is Lucretia. Lucretia? Okay, that's what I thought. Lucretia Martel uh, and Coleman List, Argentinian, Argentinian filmmaker Lucretia Martel as director whose films explore class and the erasure of indigenous people in the very in a very smart and subtle way. Two films that gave that she gives as examples of these themes are La Cien Cienga, The Swamp in 2001, and La Mujer Sin Cabeza. Cabeza, thank you. Uh, the Headless Woman in 2008. Coleman also hi- highlights La Niña Santa, The Holy Girl uh, from 2004 as an important coming-of-age film created by Martel that explores sexuality and religion. And the next one is Sarah Polly, known also for her many acting credits. Canadian filmmaker Sarah Polly was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay for her directorial debut, Away From Her, 2006. A work by Polly that Coleman particularly enjoys is Take This Waltz 
2011, which she calls a breakup film that is good for anyone with a broken heart to watch. Polly is currently working on a feature film called Women Talking, based on a novel of the same name starring Frances McDormand, Ben Wishaw, Rooney Mara, and Claire Foy. Women Talking was recommended to me just the other day, actually. The book, the novel. Yes. Uh, and the next one on the list is Lynn Ramsey. Uh, BAFTA award-winning Scottish director Lynn Ramsey uh, has a long career in filmmaking with notable projects including Rat Catcher in 1992, or 1999, sorry. Uh, and her, the more famous We Need to Talk About Kevin in 2011, starring Tilda Swinton and Ezra Miller. However, Coleman points the one of the earliest, or er, points to one of her earliest works as her personal favorite. She directed one of my favorite short films, Gas Man in 1998, which, like many of her works, centers on the theme of family. I have seen uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin. It's a crazy movie. I have not seen it. It's a good movie, but it's a little little crazy. But I've heard. I've heard that it was crazy. <laughs> and we just have two more on the list. Sorry, I lost track. Um, Celine Siama, um, French director who is known as a filmmaker whose works explore the fluidity of gender identity and sexual identity. Um, Coleman describes Siama's Tomboy, 2011, a film that follows a 10-year-old gender non-conforming child as a work that changed the way I saw filmmaking. A more recent film that garnered international attention is Portrait... Um, oh. <laughs> Portrait uh, de la jeune ville en feu, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I know I just butchered that. I'm so sorry. 2019. George Shiyama um, served as both writer and director. The film won the Cannes Film Festival Award for Best Screenplay. And you're the one that used to speak French, Sarah. I know. I, t I took some French. <laughs> Uh, and then the last one on this list is Agnes Varda. And Coleman rounds out the list with uh, Belgian-born French director Agnes Varda. A more historical addition to this list, Varda continues to be an influence for any filmmakers today. Toward the end of her career, she received several Lifetime Achievement Awards from organizations including the Cannes Film Festival and the European Film Academy. With over 60 directing credits throughout the, her year, or sorry, throughout her career, Coleman points to Sans Toyet Nilui, uh, Vagabond in 1985, as one of Varda's most iconic works that she considers a favorite. Coleman also lists, lists, fil lists fiction films La Bonaire, Happiness in 1965, and Un Jeté Pas. completely butchered that because I know no French. Uh, one Sings, the Other Doesn't in 1977, as well as documentary short Ulysses, 1983, a notable works that she recommends watching. Very interesting list. Um, Sarah, I'm going to pause real quick because the little man is running around like crazy. Okay. So I will be right back. I'm gonna just stop the recording and then when we come back i'll start it again i will not end the call though okay <laughs> all right sorry about that everybody although you probably won't notice anything because i just started the recording again um <laughs> anyways so it's a funny story uh branching off of what uh, uh women's history month and stuff like that so this morning <laughs> i took bobo out before we went to lunch and i i carry him because if I don't, he'll have an accident in the in the hallway or on the stairs or somewhere where we're not. He's not supposed to. So I was carrying him, and we got to right about where I always put him down. Mm -hmm. And I know I knew he had to go really bad because as we were walking to the door 
down the stairs, he was squirming, like he wanted mm-hmm. to get down. <laughs> and I'm still holding him, and he starts peeing <laughs> in my hands. First time he's ever just peed in my arms. And then I go to sit him down, and I accidentally put him where his pee goes onto someone's car. And it just so happens to be one of the people that work in the front office. <laughs> oh, no. Which, I mean, it's a good thing that it's it was someone that I knew because I felt bad. So I, I came back in and I was like, okay. I went to the front office and I was like, I owe you money. It's like, here's a 20. You need to go get your car washed. It's like my dog accidentally peed on your car. It's like I was carrying him and he had to go really bad. And he just went and he, I pee, he peed on your car. And she, they were like, because it was her. And I think it's a mother and daughter that work in the front office. Mm. Not all the time, but some of the times. And they were both like, oh my God, you are such a nice human being for coming and actually telling us. And then she was like, oh no, it's totally fine. You don't have to give me any money. It's fine. I was like, I just feel really bad. I was like, I, I just wanted to let you know. And I was like, I will pay for a car wash. And she was like, no, it's fine. And your dog is so cute that it doesn't matter to me anyways. <laughs> and then the mom was like, she was like, if it was a Porsche, it might be a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So that happened today. Oh, Bobo. Which, baby. it was just because he slept for so long. Like, he didn't get up until after 1030. Dear God. So he slept really hard last night. Apparently. I want what he's taking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't sleep like that. Yeah. Um, so my thoughts on um, Women's History Month and what we'll do is I thought what we could do is kind of the same thing that we did with um, Black History Month is focus on a different topic every every week. So we did yeah. kind of like a kind of an overview of what feminism is and the feminist movement this week. And then next week, maybe we could dive into like the suffrage movement and yeah. voting rights for women and stuff like that. Yeah, and that we way... We talk about... Um... The Chicana movement as well. La- you'll have to do most of the producing for that because I don't even know what that is. Uh, Chicano, Chicana are uh, different terms for Hispanic Americans. Um, and the Chicana movement is the feminist movement for Hispanic and Latina women. Okay, that'll be fun to talk about and get to learn about. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even dive a little bit deeper into when we talk about the uh, women's suffrage, uh, talk a little bit more about the 19th Amendment and kind of what it what it meant to, or what, what all went into it and what the outcome was. Mm, yeah. So what are you doing this weekend, Sarah? I'm going to... I'm going to a swingers club. Okay. Yeah. So she's really living her polyamorous life. <laughs> I'm very I'm I'm very intrigued. I can't I can't wait, actually. I'm very <laughs> excited. Um other than that, not a whole heck of a lot. I um I have to fill out some paperwork for the oncologist. Yes, you do. And I have to um finish gathering my documents for applying for Medicaid. Um, and yeah, that's about, that's about it. And a nap. There's going to be a nap in there somewhere. Yeah. That all sounds like fun. What about you? (laughs) I say jokingly, that was completely a joke, everyone. (laughs) Um, me, I don't, I don't have much going on. I say that and I have, I need to edit this. And then I also have the two papers or two assignments I have to do and then the discussion board posts and those are I think so technically this instructor hasn't said anything about it but most all my other classes the 
last assignments are due on Saturday. I'm Ooh. going to continue with that understanding. That way I don't find out that, oh, you didn't turn it in, so you lose 10% of your grade mm. or 10% of the assignment grade. Yeah. But I do still have just under 97%. There you go. You're doing great. It's exciting. So, I mean, I could probably lose a couple of, I don't want to, don't want to. I'll put that out there. Right. But if I didn't really feel like working on it and just waiting until Tuesday to turn it in, I could lose a couple of points, but I won't. I won't. There Other than that, um, not much. Like I'm going to look into getting like some soundproofing on to put on this wall or maybe move around the um up, or move around the bedroom. Because I've noticed in the last couple of episodes, whenever I'm recording and I'm using the mic from the computer, it's very echoey. Not echoey, but it sounds like I'm in a tube. So mm. today I'm using today I'm using the the mic on my headset and so, the only thing with that is a lot of the times when i use that one it's i'm really quiet and you're not quiet mm. so i have to fix the vocal the sound the volume whenever i'm talking versus you yeah it's a lot of editing i'm sorry it's okay it's my fault at least you're good at it yeah i'm okay <laughs> other than that not much like we'll probably go sunday go get something to eat for lunch and maybe go somewhere ryan said he needs to get a new shirt for work and stuff so mm. we'll see how that goes right at this minute i'm waiting for someone to bring me a salad uh, i have to I, I told ryan i was like we'll probably just order dinner tonight because i made dinner last night and the night before last and he made no he made dinner the night before last and i don't really feel like cooking so we will probably just order tonight. That's fair. I need to stop ordering, honestly. I do. We do too. Um, we've actually been looking into potentially going, or not going, but getting um, one of those like delivery service things where they, oh, you like order them. Fresh type stuff? Yeah. You like order the meals and then uh, everything comes to you. That way we don't have to go to the grocery store every week. And um, it's getting really expensive, like... This last week, it was like $180 almost. Like, and it feels like we got all the same stuff that we usually get. Mm. So it was weird. But everything is going up, so. Yeah. Except for wages. Yeah. 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 Well, you ready to call it a podcast for the week? I'm ready to call it a podcast. I'm sure you're ready to take a nap or go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. I'm like, (laughs) I'm waiting for my food to get here. And then, yeah, I'm pretty much just going to pass out. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Hold on. Let me, I just need to fix this. (laughs) I'm fixing my scripted end. Okay. That's what I'm doing, everybody. You can judge me all you want. I'm not judging. I like to have a scripted beginning and a scripted ending. <laughs> yeah, fair, reasonable. Yeah. That way I just have a way of knowing that I'm covering every, all my bases whenever I, I finish. And whenever I begin and finish. <laughs> I took that dirty. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did, you dirty bitch. So hopefully you all join us for the rest of the conversation that we're going to have about Women's History Month. This isn't scripted. This is just me talking. Because um, I, I mean, I look forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. Well, I'll learn a little bit more. We'll get to hear Sarah's takes on a lot of the stuff we talk about. And you guys can learn with us. And I'll probably do the same thing I did for the Black History Month, where I make it a page on the website and just plunge everything we talk about into the one page. Where you can also have access to listen to the web or the video, no, the podcast. Podcast. 
you have access to listen to the podcast on the website as well. Well, with that, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Now About That with James and Sarah. If you like this episode, please like, comment, follow, and subscribe. And please also leave a review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, as this will help get the podcast out to more people and help us grow. Feel free to follow us on social media. Our Instagram handle is at nowaboutthatpod. And I've been saying for the last like five weeks that we're going to be more active on it. I do plan on being a little bit more active, although I'm putting a lot more intention into the website than I am Instagram right now. I might give Sarah the Instagram and just make her do it. (laughs) There we go. Um, If there is something that you would like us to talk about on the podcast, feel free to email us at nowaboutthatpod at gmail.com or visit our website www.nowaboutthatproductions.com and add your contact information into the contact us section with whatever you would like us to discuss. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great week since it'll be coming out on a Monday. And Sarah, have a good weekend. You as well. And we will talk to you all in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye.